Welcome to Alphabet Soup, a podcast where we're going to work our way through a wide variety of biblical topics using the alphabet. Our goal, of course, is to understand the Bible better, but we also want to find ways in which Scripture applies to our daily lives. So with that intro, let's get to it. Welcome to F is for Fathers, but before we go a second further, um, first, my apologies, and secondly, uh, just a brief explanation. Uh, We moved from Oregon to Sun City, West Arizona, which is an age-restricted community in the Northwest Valley of Phoenix. Um, And we moved here about five weeks ago, bought a house while we were still living in Oregon, obviously, moved down here and are getting settled. And that's present tense. Oh, goodness. I seriously underestimated what this uh, move involved. Uh, We lived in a single wide out in the woods, out in three acres in the woods in Oregon, about um, 15 miles west of Eugene. Very rural, very simple. 840 square feet in that single wide, but we loved it. It was a beautiful setting. However, the kids and grandkids live in the West Valley of Phoenix, and so the decision was made that we would move down here. That was always the plan. It just happened a lot sooner than we thought. We spent some time searching. Basically, I searched for a house. Pam just kind of trusted me to make a choice. We have a friend down here who was in Pathway Bible Church when I pastored it. She is a a realtor, and boy, is she good. And she helped us uh, shop for a house. And we knew we wanted to be in an age-restricted community because, uh, for a number of reasons. First of all, it's much cheaper than buying just out in in, uh, anywhere in a subdivision. Um, And it has a lot of advantages. There are a lot of uh, perks that come with living in this uh, retirement community. Um, Rec centers, clubs, there's a very um, well-equipped auto shop. Maybe someday I'll get back into restoring cars. I don't know. So I bought a house. Pam had not seen, trusted me to buy it. It is a house much, much bigger than we need. Here, we went from 840 square feet to 1,886 square feet. Um, It's huge. And we got a great deal on it. We could have bought a smaller house and paid more money because this thing needed so much work. It was built in 1986. Um, We purchased it from the original owner who is now in a memory care facility. Her son is a real estate agent. And uh, we, so we bought it, I guess you you still say we bought it from her. She hadn't done a thing to it since she moved into it in 1986. This place was in serious need of basically every surface. All the ceilings had the old popcorn. Some of you don't even know what that is. Popcorn ceilings on them from the 70s and 80s. 1,886 square feet of popcorn ceiling. 10-foot vaulted ceilings had to come off. All of the flooring was bad. Um, It had the original Berber carpet in it. She had cats. I don't need to say any more. All the way through to the slab foundation, stains and odor, which means taking up all the baseboards, taking out all of the carpet, taking out all of the padding, and taking out all of the tack strip. Every surface needed to be painted. Repairs needed to be made to plumbing and electrical. And like I said, I seriously under... I plan to be back here 
to alphabet soup weeks earlier than I now am. And if you saw this place, you'd say, goodness, he's going to be at it for years. And that may be true. Um, The ceilings are all done. The flooring is all done. Thanks to huge help from my kids. Uh, What little furniture we had in 840 square feet is now in this place. But there there are rooms that look barren. Uh, I still have to put up hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of feet of baseboard that I've got primed and sitting out on the covered patio waiting to be installed. Uh, we are still assembling furniture. Um, man, what a, there is a long and narrow room that is going to be Pam's sewing room, sewing slash craft room, and the last oh, eight feet of this room excuse me, is going to be my office. Right now, it's sort of a catch-all room. My desk is in here, and I'm sitting at my desk. I'm sitting on a stool that comes from the kitchen counter. Oh, by the way, the kitchen still needs to be gutted and redone. Um, One of the cabinet drawers blew up. Uh, One of the rollers on the glide um, exploded and threw ball bearings everywhere. There's just so much work to be done. My apologies, man. Uh, We lived with the kids and lived uh, and house sat for a month while I worked out here every day. Um, 10 to 12 hours a day, I would be out here and up on a ladder at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning and knock off work at 4 o'clock, go go back to the kids' place or to the kinney's where we were house sitting and uh, take a shower, eat dinner, and go to bed and get up in the next morning and start all over again. I planned to be back here much sooner than this. It just could not happen because I had to get the house livable. Um, I finally broke down and decided, listen, it is never going to get to the point where I feel comfortable not working and and doing alphabet soup. I've just got to bite the bullet. I uh, F is for father because I planned, I really had good intentions about doing this a week ago for Father's Day. And again, just things, yeah. Um, So much involved in moving that I guess I I didn't take account of. Uh, And one of them is finding a church. We began that search last week, and uh, (laughs) suffice it to say, it will continue. But here we are. F is for Father's. Here's what I originally planned to do, and then, um, like the house, I'm afraid this episode is going to be a hot mess. There's a saying, done is better than good. Uh, You can spend an endless amount of time, time trying to get the quality you want, or you can get the job done. That is true in doing a complete renovation of a house. It is also true with uh, prepping for a podcast episode. See, that's the thing. It's not just sit down and record. There are a few hours worth of study and prep that goes into it before I ever sit down here. My original plan was to talk about God, our Heavenly Father. Uh, You'll see how that changed as we go through this. This episode does not have the beginning, middle, and end that I wish it did. What what I plan to do here as this lesson evolved, even as I was prepping it, is just to talk about the word Father and how it's used in the Bible with a primary consideration for how the word applies to God in one particular way. 
One of the things that has become a topic of interest and debate um, over the last few years is the gender of God. It is jarring for me to hear a pastor, usually a woman, talk about the feminine aspect of God. Uh, I'm old enough that, that it was just assumed that God was masculine. When I hear someone talk about our mother God or refer to God as she, that is jarring. It feels extremely unbiblical and inappropriate and bordering on blasphemous. It is true that everywhere pronouns are used of God, whether it's the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit, those pronouns are masculine. And in fact, he is referred to in the Bible as our Heavenly Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, King James. Sorry, that's the way it comes to me. Is it then true and biblically accurate to say God is masculine? That's where I started out. Um, we were going to talk about the gender of our Heavenly Father. That led me to look at the way the word Father is used in the Bible. Where we end up then is a look at that, at how the word Father is used in the Bible. We're going to circle back and ask, okay then, does, does our Heavenly Father have gender? And, uh, well, we'll see where that ends up. By the way, I should say that I don't know what the sound quality is going to be like here. Like I said, this is a, a long, narrow room, and the acoustics in here may be horrible, but at 4 o'clock in the morning, uh, this is the space I could find where I wouldn't be disturbing uh, Pam's sleep. So forgive some roughness here. It's going to take probably a few weeks before I get everything as it should be. Okay, let's back, let's back up and talk about the question... Does God have gender, and if so, is it masculine or feminine or some combination of the, of the both? And what does the Bible say about the word father? In Hebrew, the word father is av. There are several names in the Bible that start out with a, v. And when you see that, it is the, the Hebrew word father, then with more attached to the end of it. The, uh, the Greek word is pater, and, and that probably doesn't come as a huge surprise. Padre, there are several languages where the word father traces its roots back to the Greek word pater. Um, and, and this word, as I've suggested already, gets used in a variety of ways in the Bible. It is, for example, the immediate male ancestor. That is how we think of the word father. My father's name was Norman. I have two sons, Steve and Josh. Their father's name is Craig. In the Bible, David is the father of Solomon. That is, the word father, whether in Hebrew or Greek, is the immediate male ancestor. Okay? However, more broadly, it is used as the head or the founder of a family or clan. And so you will read in the Bible, 
our father Abraham. And you can be literally hundreds of generations away and they will still refer to our father, obviously not the immediate male ancestor. That word father can be used as um, to describe the head or founder of a family or a clan or a major people group. Uh, perhaps our word patriarch is a, a close synonym for this use of the word father in Stephen's speech in Acts 7. And, and this is after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. huh? We're probably 20 years after. Uh, he says, our father Abraham. So the word father can mean in the Bible, immediate male ancestor. David was the father of Solomon. Or it can mean the head of a patriarch, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, our fathers. That's the way it's used in the Old Testament. Our fathers to refer to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why all three of them? Why not just Abraham? Because you will recall that Abraham had two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. And that Ishmael was the father of one people group and Isaac was the father of another. Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. Esau uh, had uh, was a patriarch, was the father of a people group, and Jacob was the father of a people group. Uh, and so each of them, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, are fathers, are patriarchs of a people group. Okay, the word father can also be uh, uh, used to describe just an ancestor, uh, not the founder, but an ancestor within that people group. So in Joshua 24, Joshua says, God brought our fathers up from Egypt. That is not a reference to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They didn't go down. To, well, Jacob did, but different story. They didn't go down to Egypt. When he says, God brought our fathers up from Egypt, he's just talking about their ancestors. He is talking about the male ancestors, certainly because it was a patri Israel was a patriarchal society. There's lots to discuss there. We're not going to do that in this episode because it's uh, F is for fathers, not P is for parents, or A is for ancestors, or M is for mothers. It's fathers. However, when Joshua says, God brought our fathers up, it, it illustrates that that word of in Hebrew can describe not just the founders, not just the patriarchs, but all of our ancestors or ancestors from a particular uh, period. In this case, those who spent time uh, in Egypt and then were part of the Exodus. Uh, okay, I, I mentioned that my father was Norman. He's now with the Lord. I miss my dad. There have been so many things, especially since we moved down here, that I wish I could uh, tell him about. He was always interested in what was going on and, and asked questions. And I wish I could talk to my dad. Uh, I can't. I will someday. I believe I will someday when we're both in the presence of the Lord right now. He beat me to it. Anyhow, my dad's name was Norman. His dad's name was also Norman. Uh, my dad was not Norman II. My, my ancestors, my fathers, came from Scotland. 
and many of them were named Norman. Uh, my grandfather, Norman, was part of a family that emigrated from Scotland to Nova Scotia. Many Scotsmen did, many Scottish families, because Scotland is a hard place to eke out a living. It looks romantic, and they show you green hills filled with sheep and beautiful villages and sunlit skies, and that is true for about 10 days in the middle of summer. The rest of the time, the wind blows off the North Sea. It is bitterly cold, and it is rocky, and it is really hard to eke out a living. So, my great-grandparents emigrated to Nova Scotia, which literally means New Scotland. And you have to wonder about their choice because Nova Scotia looks a lot like Scotland. It's out there. It's an island out in the Atlantic Ocean where the wind blows and it's cold and it's rocky and you can raise sheep. You couldn't grow weeds there. It is so barren. My great-grandfather, I'm sorry, my grandfather, Norman, could see that he had no future. He was 12 years old when he looked around and said, my parents are dirt poor. They've got, I forget, six or eight kids. He was one of the oldest, and he thought, there's no future for me here. And so at 12, he had a few dollars, I think less than $5 that he stuffed in his pocket, and he left. He is my father. His name was also Norman. And and for me, and, and obviously not as much for you, but for me, it's a fascinating story how this 12-year-old boy with virtually no education because the schools were so bad, left Nova Scotia with a few bucks in his pocket and went from there to Boston, and from Boston to Montana, and from Montana to the woods of Northwest Washington, where he started life working in logging camps and spent basically the rest of his life working there and raised his family out in the logging camps. He's my father. So Norman was my father, and Norman was my grandfather. Uh, so the word is used to describe not, not just a patriarch, but someone who preceded me in the family lineage. That's why in the Old Testament genealogies, they will say, so-and-so was the father of such-and-such. But here's the kicker. That word father in those genealogies does not mean Norman like my father. It does not mean the immediate ancestor. It just means that someone who preceded in the family tree. And that person may have been a grandfather or a great-great-grandfather or a great-great-great-grandfather. Here's why this is important. There have been those who have tried to reconstruct a family tree of typically Christ. What they do is they go back to one of the genealogies in Exodus or in Chronicles or, and they start writing down names. So-and-so, uh, let's say Frank was the father of George. And so on their family tree, they write Frank and then they put George and they assume that the word father there means the immediate ancestor like my father. It does not. We know that to be the case because you can compare genealogies in the Bible. And you'll say, wait a minute, 
Frank is the father of George, but over here, Frank is the father of Peter, is the father of Ralph, is the father of George. How come? Because the word of does not mean the immediate ancestor. My father. Uh, and, and, and that will seriously mess up your genealogy. That has happened. Um, that happened back when they were trying to reconstruct a timeline of the Old Testament, starting with Adam. And they took genealogies that went back to Adam, including the genealogy in Luke, and, and, and did that. They just did the simple version where they said, okay, this guy was the immediate and the immediate father of, without recognizing this other use of the word. In the see, as Westerners, we're all wrapped up in data. We want precise data, and data that isn't complete or isn't precise is dismissed. Eastern cultures don't work like that. They don't care about data. They care about the significance of that data and, and information, details that aren't germane, that aren't relevant to the meaning, just get left out. In a genealogy, what's the point? The point is to show that Jesus is a descendant of David. And so I will show key individuals down that line of of a family tree, and I can leave people out as long as I give one name, George, and give another name, Frank, who may be the next generation or maybe five generations down. But if you have clear in your head, if the culture has clear in its head that George and Frank are connected, you don't need to put in all the names in between. So think about what happens. Here's a guy, maybe his name is Usher, some of you will recognize that name, who did his work, uh, I, I suppose we'll give uh, Mr. Usher, um, his first name was Bishop, he wasn't, but his first name was Bishop. We'll give Bishop Usher the benefit of the doubt that back then they hadn't done, and, and this is 150, 200 years ago, they hadn't done the study to know that the word of can be used of just an ancestor. So he's reading a genealogy from one of the Old Testament books. And he reads that Frank was the father of George, not understanding the word father as it is used often in the Old Testament, and assumes, okay, they're next to each other. Those are two generations next to each other, not realizing that there can be several generations in between. What's the end result of this mistake? The end, um, end result is a very young earth. Bishop Usher concluded that Adam lived 4004 BC, that the earth was created 4004 years before Christ. Because he did this strict math, not understanding that use of the word father. Um, what happened then, that became sort of accepted, um, what? Accepted Bible study. The original Schofield Bible had dates in it. And if you look at Genesis chapter 3, up at the top of the page, you'll see 4004 BC. Why? Because that's how Bishop Usher did it. That's how he did his math. Not understanding the, the Hebrew uses, plural, 
of the word father. If you have been driving a stake in the ground for a very young earth, um, you missed. You've made the same mistake. Oh, you didn't make the mistake. Bishop Usher made it, and you just signed on too. We don't know how old the earth was. We don't know how far back Adam was because we don't know how many generations are in there. Okay, listen, I've used up part A. Uh, I'm going to go back and edit this, but but frankly, uh, done is better than good. So I hope you'll come with me into part two. We've got more to say about the biblical use of the word father.